Hello, ladies and gents. Uh, welcome back to another exciting episode of the AJ Roberts Show on the London Times. We are joined today by the lovely Dr. Kat Lindley from over in the United States. Um, she's currently in Texas. Dr. Kat Lindley is a family doctor, uh, has been practicing medicine for 14 years. She's also a mother of five uh, and a member of the school board over there. I'm not going to go into too much detail myself. I'll let Kat explain a lot of that with you as we go through this episode. But I wanted to get Kat on the show today because uh, I'm a big fan of bringing solutions to many problems, uh, as you guys well know. So I try to bring some solutions into every single episode. Now, Kat has worked with patients um, all over, really, um, using alternative medicines, which we're going to go deep into, um, but also the, the effect that a lot of these mandates are having on children uh, and as a mother of five and obviously on the school board as well. Kat will go into more detail on that. Um, so Kat, welcome to the AJ Roberts show. It's uh, absolutely delightful to have you here. Um, you know, I, I love having doctors on the show to share obviously a lot of their wisdom and the different expertise that they bring uh, obviously onto each episode. So um, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the uh, the listeners and the viewers just a little bit about yourself, your background, just to put a bit of context to it, um, that would be much appreciated. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so I was actually born in Croatia, former Yugoslavia. I lived there until I was 18 years old. And I left one day before the war started in Croatia and uh, went to live in Italy, eventually came into this came to the States, went to medical school, became physician, and that's kind of where we're at now. So, you know, when the pandemic was starting last year, um, it was scary for all of us. I do remember having uh, one of my first patients who had COVID. Um, she came to the clinic and her oxygen levels were really low. And uh, it was really scary because she was talking as if she was fine. She kept on saying, you know, I'm not short of breath, I'm good. Next thing we know, we were sending her to the hospital. He was, she was intubated and actually died a few days later. So wow. I remember coming home to my you know, family and thinking like, I'm doing this, seeing patients and bringing it home to my kids, you know, what's gonna happen to us? And I, I remember crying. So it was really like scary times for all of us. And then, you know, CDC started saying wear a mask, you know, pretty much wear a spacesuit. And then after they ran out of spacesuits, they're like, okay, we're an N95 mask. We're out of N95 mask. And they're like, we're surgical mask. We ran out of those. We're bandana. And then, then I was like, you know, this just doesn't make sense. And the thing that kind of made me mad uh, last year, um, early on is everyone was scared, including physicians' offices, places. And then you had these patients uh, they call and say, well, I have, think I have COVID, they get tested, they're positive. And everyone is saying, well, stay home and then don't go to the hospital until you can breathe and pretty much, you know, like you feel like you're dying. And so I feel like in general, at that time, I felt like medical community has abandoned patients somewhat. And I understand we're all running scared. So, you know, when, when we kind of started regrouping, I was like, this just doesn't make sense. You know, we can't abandon, we have to treat them. And that's when I started reading and getting involved with different physicians who are treating patients early based on data that was coming from different countries, India, Israel, Spain. And uh, it just kind of makes sense not to sit on sidelines and do our job. Yeah, and um, this has one been the key thing for me is uh, as I've been really diving deep into this and having conversations with people like all over the world. And I think that's been a real um, godsend really like uh, and really important to have these conversations with physicians in, in all different countries because every culture is different you know the temperature is different in the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere um, so building this kind of intelligence picture so to speak is something that's been really important in, in my own findings and, and on the show uh, and then obviously delivering this kind of information via you know appropriate guests like yourself um, so you know I Conversations I've had with people like in India, for example, who at one point was labelled this huge hotbed, you know, for COVID and uh, the apparent, uh, you know, the origin of the, the Delta variant, as uh, you know, they were saying, because um, I'm not sure how much you saw of the reports of it in the UK, but 
they were saying obviously COVID suddenly was rife over there. Um, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this Delta variant pops up in Bolton in the northwest of England. Uh, of you know, skip past all these European countries, um, and and, uh, and and in the Middle East, and just popped up in the northwest of uh, of the United Kingdom. And then that's all we saw here. Then for weeks on end, was like, oh, these people have then got the Delta variants. But obviously, with the, the testing procedures, the question's always been asked: Well, how can you tell what variant it is if it doesn't even differentiate between? covid flu and common cold <laughs> so um you know that, that's the uh, you know that's the one big question that's been going on for months months and months as this has kind of just rolled on um but for yourself obviously the treatment protocols has obviously been a huge part of what's been happening in every country now you've been treating people with alternative medications for a number of months now like um would, would you would you mind explaining a little bit about the, what you've been up to in that respect? So I wouldn't call them alternative because they're actually real medications. We're just uh, yeah. using them. Uh, you know, at, at one point they were used for certain illness, and then we learned it actually can be used for COVID as well. But before we go there, I just want to tell you what something that everyone can do at home, right? Because we learned right away that low levels of vitamin D make people more um, at increased risk of getting COVID or people who are morbidly obese are the ones that struggle with COVID the most. So one of the things I always, all my patients are taking vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc. We also found that N-acetylcysteine, which is NAC, is very good to have on board because it's an antioxidative compound. So it works really, uh, it works really well. And uh, there are other things that patients can take and take care of themselves, you know, lose weight, um, decrease stress levels, try to sleep better. All of these things are going to prime your immune system to actually handle this. And uh, then as the time went on, you know, there was a question, does hydroxychloroquine work? Well, Dr. Zelenko used that in his high uh, risk population in New York. He used hydroxychloroquine and uh, z packs some steroids and things like that. And his patients did well. Uh, at some point, we learned that ivermectin works really well. So ivermectin is the medication you, you use for scabies, for lice, and things like that. But in certain doses, it's shown to have antiviral effect as well. And um, there is actually uh, a region in India, starts with K, I'm not sure, Cater or something. I can send you an article so we can actually have the actual region. But what WHO did, they gave these patients in India this medical kit. And then no one would talk about what that medical kit had. And recently we discovered medical kit had ivermectin, doxycycline, pulse oximetry, Tylenol, I believe vitamin D as well, and zinc. And this region decreased the incidence of COVID in that area. So even... WHO is using ivermectin, although, you know, there are lots of places say you shouldn't, this and that. But when you have someone who is sick and you have all this medication that could help, and if you're a good physician, you monitor your patients, you take care of them, why wouldn't you try? Mm, yeah, exactly. Why are so scared? Why are we letting patients get so sick that they can't breathe and go to the hospital and then whether they end up on ventilator or something like that? It always just baffled me like we've used medications that were intended for something and then we learned it might help in something else we always done that we always have used the medications that way so now all of a sudden to say that this medicine that has been safe in the past we use it for all sorts of things all over the continents that all of a sudden we can use it, it just uh, i just don't get why uh, a lot of medical boards and countries are starting to say that you know, it's harmful, it doesn't work when we have studies showing that it does work. Mm. Yeah, and I've, I've seen some um, some great interviews with uh, Dr. Peter McCulloch, who's um, obviously a, a phenomenal physician, like ridiculously highly qualified. He's like right up there with, uh, in terms of qualifications. And I've seen some great interviews with him. And he said that um, in the early stages when there was talk of obviously hydroxychloroquine uh, and ivermectin and stuff like that, that uh, bogus and like analytical reports were coming out written by people to say that it was dangerous for the heart and stuff like that and 
you know, you're talking about a guy that's one of the sort of most highly qualified and experienced cardiologists in the world um, who runs a center of, with cardiologists um, who have held more hearts than um, anywhere else in the world, you know, have obviously debunked that report straight away because it was um, it wasn't correct at all. Um, you know, and you know, I can debug it as well. Uh, I yeah. actually rheumatoid arthritis, so I take 400 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine every single day for rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. Every single day, I've been on it for nine months, almost 10 months now. My heart is great. My cardiologist looked at it, everything's perfect. And for uh, COVID, the dose is 400 milligrams for five days. Mm -hmm. So now to say that that's going to damage someone's heart just for taking it for five days, when we have these patients like me who have taken it for years and months and it hasn't done anything to us and there's no toxicity other than you have to do eye exam yearly because there can be some deposits in your retina. Other than that, there's no cardiac toxicity. And that's why a good physician knows who is the patient to watch. And if someone has cardiac issues, then maybe you say, well, I'm not going to do that. I might try something else. But to say in general, that's going to harm the population. They're going to die from heart, heart issues because of this medication for five days. It's when you start questioning and saying like, these things don't make sense. Mm. And the same thing with ivermectin. Um, there was these uh, reports of people overdosing on it. What has happened? Some people were desperate to get ivermectin. They started taking the horse paste. Obviously, it's not a medication intended for humans, so you shouldn't take it mm -hmm. because the concentration is different. The additives are different. There could be side effects, but if you take prescribed medications that were prescribed in the past for different things, and you take it under the watch of your physician, you should be safe. And I don't know of anyone who has overdosed on ivermectin when given correctly. Mm. And uh, I think I shared with you the email from that patient uh, a week ago or something. Um, she emailed me, said that she doesn't know that if she would have survived. And I, I don't necessarily know that, but I can agree with her. But when I had COVID about four weeks ago, so now I'm going to talk as a patient, it was scary. It was scary because uh, I got hit really hard. Uh, I started having severe headache. It's hard to describe this headache. It's like one of those things that never happened before. I had high fever, pain in my legs. I couldn't even walk. And I, actually I qualified for monoclonal antibodies. So within three hours I received monoclonal antibodies. And I woke up next morning feeling I wasn't short of breath, but I felt short of breath, but I felt like I had lead on my diaphragm and I just couldn't expand my lungs. And that's what I actually called Peter McCullough. He's a friend and, and you know, as I didn't want to treat myself because that's one thing as a physician, you should never treat yourself. I didn't want to treat myself. So I was like, we kind of discussed what I should take and things like that. And I've taken ivermectin and within 12 hours, I felt better. Wow. Now, was it psychological? Was it medication? I don't know, I felt better. Mm. And I continued taking it for uh, five days and I was, I had to take steroids as well. The nebulized steroids because my oxygen levels started dropping down. And as soon as I started taking them, they went up. So I can tell you that during that time when you're sick, it's quite scary. Mm. And uh, we have to make sure that as physicians, we are there for our patients. Well, that, that's the key though, isn't it? Like that, that early treatment. And I've heard people call it say it many times. And obviously you just elaborated on it there. Is, uh, is actually using it in the early stages of treatment. And if it was used in early statements, stages of treatment worldwide, then you wouldn't have people getting to the point where they need ventilation. Um, and and those, you know, sort of dangerous last stages of, of treatment, which that's when your percentage, obviously, for survival, like rapidly decreases, isn't it? Yes, and you know, there's still gonna be some patients who might not respond to the treatment, but that's why we do have hospitals and we have treatments in the hospitals that you can try using. But I think the key is to keep them out of the hospital. The key is to treat the patients as early as we can so they don't end up in the hospital. And the key is really prevention. And prevention is vitamin D and trying to lose some weight. Mm. And um, there's great studies from Israel saying that bifidobacterium 
um, if you have high levels of this good bacteria in your gut, that you have decreased chances of getting COVID. So I tell all my patients to drink lots of kefir or kombucha. I hate kombucha, so I like to go with kefir option. But those are things that you can do preemptively so you don't get COVID. Mm -hmm. And then if you do get COVID, the most important thing is contact your doctor. And this is not a thing like, I think we need to stop. And I, I, we have stopped somewhat testing everyone. Yes. If you're sick, so when patient calls me, if they're sick and I suspect COVID, that's when I say, come in, we'll do the test and then we'll decide what we're gonna do. If the test is negative or they test for strep, I take care of that. But if it's COVID, then we know what to do. Some patients don't need any special treatment. Some patients just do vitamin D, zinc, bifidobacterium and things like that. But the most important key is to get to them fast enough and take care of them from the beginning. Mm. So um, obviously with the people that you've treated so far in this respect, um, is there or have you found that a larger proportion of people with the, let's say the worst symptoms are people that have either comorbidities or are overweight and, uh, you know, on the more unhealthy spectrum? Yeah, so the hardest patients to treat were the one that had obesity or diabetes or things like that, mm -hmm. you know, more medical issues. But even those patients, if you got to them early enough, did really well. Mm -hmm. um, and the key is to be there and support them from the beginning. You know, and an important thing also is to check oxygen levels. So as soon as patients would tell me that they're positive, I, I would always tell them to go by pulse oximetry so they can keep track of their oxygen level all the time. That also gave them a little bit of reassurance because if the oxygen stayed up, then we were doing good. But if it was going down, I knew when I would have to tell them, go to the emergency room, you know, mm -hmm. go to the hospital or something. And also here in US, I don't know how, if you guys can get this in UK as much, these uh, monoclonal antibodies work really well. Um, I had few patients who said they didn't feel good after getting them, but I would say majority of my patients that received them said they felt better right, you know, right mm. away. It felt like the antibodies kind of helped their immune system kick in so they were able to handle the disease better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I know things like ivermectin hydrochloroquine over here is uh, proving quite difficult. Um, and I know, same in Australia, uh, I use our three countries as reference because obviously I think we're seeing the, uh, um, between us three, we're seeing like the most you know, ridiculous procedures and restrictions and uh, medical freedoms uh, being taken away coming. And you look at countries like Australia, for example, I know in Victoria, New South Wales, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the same as Queensland and Western Australia, but doctors have been told if you're caught prescribing ivermectin, um, you're looking at instantly six months uh, prison prison time for a drug that won a Nobel Prize and has been you know proven across multiple studies to to work, um, which clearly shows you what the agenda is. Like there's no two ways about it. I don't think you can really question that. But um, that's the the you know the the sincere problem that countries like Australia are facing but I mean if I think if you take those uh tyrannical leaders out of the equation they'd be in a much better place I think obviously the mandate and the the policies that are being driven which is you know from big pharma um is is the key issue you know it's not can't you can't deny the fact that because it's working exactly as it should do with you know you and what you're doing with your patients it can you clearly see that and in other countries around the world so India has been using it like on mass, haven't they? Brazil using it on mass, I believe. Is Argentina been using it in quite large doses I, as well? Yeah, I believe so. But you know, the most important thing is like, let's say you guys are not. I, I believe you have to have like a special license to prescribe ivermectin in the UK. <laughs> yeah. There are other things we can do though. Like mm. we do know that if you give them inhaled steroid, it really helps a lot. Mm. Vitamin D. Uh, I think it's important. You know, all of your uh, listeners actually go to their doctor and say, check my vitamin D level. If it's less than 50 nano, nanograms, I believe it is. I forgot, you, you're gonna have to like see what, what scales you guys use. We use different things. But for us, if it's less than 50, it should be about 50 for your immune system to work really well. And then they can use some antibiotics if patients mm -hmm. get secondary infections. There are certain things that we can 
still do. But I agree with you. you know, it's, it's important to, um, to really look at facts. I'm a little bit tired of uh, people interpreting data for me. You know, most physicians, scientists, uh, we've taken a lot of uh, science classes and just give us the data. We can interpret it with you. you don't, what I've found is that some articles write a conclusion before they actually interpret their data. Mm. And those are the ones that like they had to retract from different journals saying, oh, the data wasn't really sure or we use the data from a company that kind of maybe lied to us. So to, to establish protocols based on fraudulent data is hurting everyone. You know, um, each and every one of us wants to help person next to us, right? I don't want anyone around me to get sick. So when my kids and I got sick, we stayed home. Mm. We took care of our problems and we all got healthy and went back. I took care of my patients from home. They knew I was sick. It wasn't a big deal. I think we all have common sense and we all want to get over this so we can get back to our normal reality because this is not normal. No, absolutely. No, it's not normal to have children wear a mask or uh, to mandate young children to be vaccinated when their risk of this disease is so low. And I don't know if you remember this, but last year there was a study in Germany that people don't talk about anymore, but it showed that, so in Germany, uh, the kids stayed in school for a while. It showed that actually kids protected the teachers because mm. the kids had some herd immunity and stuff like that. It showed that they actually were protected from their own immunity to the teachers around them. So um, I'm not saying that everyone should get the disease, but now that I have had it, I feel great because I check my antibodies, they're really high. Mm. And there's a recent study from Israel that shows that people who had COVID have great protection even a year later. Mm. And this is another thing um, that really, really annoys me. Um, they've started changing definitions of what immunity is herd immunity, what your innate immunity is. I can tell you that if I had a disease, any kind of disease, if I had chickenpox, well, I never had chickenpox, so I had to get vaccine for chickenpox, but let's say you had chickenpox as a kid, you're protected from chickenpox. Mm -hmm. You're not going to chickenpox anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. So, we used to have like chickenpox parties as a kid, wasn't it? I had before, I, yes, and I'm not saying we should have COVID parties because some people <laughs> get very, very sick with it, but I'm just saying that you might you not should, get, at least you wouldn't get fined for that if we're actually having a COVID party. <laughs> well, you should recognize the immunity. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you have COVID, you should recognize that someone has had COVID and mm -hmm. that their body knows what to do. How many centuries have we survived, right, as humans? And our bodies have adapted exactly. to all of these diseases. It's adapting to COVID as well. And mm -hmm. we will keep on adapting. So I think we just need to get our policymakers to start understanding that you know yeah and the problem is as well is uh, this is a deep problem and uh i had karen kingston on explained about this who used to work for Pfizer a few years back and uh, she's a bioanalyst i don't know if, i don't know if you've seen any of her stuff but um she's been on like stupid showing that a few times and she she brought some slides on and she actually showed obviously what's in the, like the vaccines and stuff um you know which was very alarming however she also explained that um, in quite a lot of detail, like why every well, pretty much everybody who's already had COVID, who then gets like, I won't say just coerced, but literally gets told like to still have the vaccine from their doctors or you know physicians, hospitals, whatever, um, get actually really ill from it because you know they've already had the the disease, they've built all that immunity to it, and then obviously the jabs then making them like extremely ill afterwards. Um, and yeah, you know, when we talk about things that annoy you, that's one thing I think is horrendous when you've, you've got trained or so-called qualified trained physicians and that actively telling people that they still need to go and get the, um, the jab, even if they've had COVID like a month ago, in, like in your case, for example, because that's quite common over here. Um, and I, I see people all the time saying it, you know, on social media in Australia, um, uh, to, it's hard to not judge, but it's kind of like this big push to try and get anybody and everybody obviously vaccinated, whether you've had COVID or not. And that's what we seem to have forgot exactly that, that 
that immunity type thing. So you, you talk about herd immunity in the definition. The definition has changed quite recently, hasn't it? And doctors, like a few months back, were all saying, you know, oh, you know, you only need to get like sixty percent or whatever, like herd immunity. Now you've got people like Dan Andrews of Victoria in Australia saying it's got to be eighty percent. You've got other places saying it needs to be ninety-seven <laughs> percent. And it's, it's just it's just crazy. And you, you get that. Ask them like we're, we're pulling that out. Hmm. No, I was I was just saying like I would like to know where they're pulling those numbers out, which rabbit hat, you know, that's yeah. because you, they keep on changing this goal, and it's like, what is the point? Like, do you really want the population to be locked down forever? Hmm. And uh, you know, for me, the hardest thing about mandates is I come from I grew up in a communist country. Yeah, you know, I grew up as a Catholic, and I was not never allowed to say that I go to church. Because if I did, my parents would get punished for that. So to mandate things that we all have to do and no one can question anything, you know, you can, um, even as a physician, if you say something against this or against that, depends where you live, you, go, you can lose your license, uh, you can end up in jail. Or when can we stop like asking questions? And when, when have we uh, accepted that as a norm? norm? You know, um, I can tell you that most politicians are lawyers, not many of them are physicians. Mm -hmm. So for them to make decisions based on things that just are not reality, you know, it's like um, masking children. How much good has that really done? You know, what I can tell you for sure is they've done studies that IQ has dropped this year. Mm -hmm. Also, how many children actually have killed themselves even here in the United States because they are depressed? How many are suicidal and we have to watch them? How many are in depression, depression medications? I don't know about your kids, but my youngest one, you know, he has a speech delay. So he needs to see your mouth and facial uh, expressions to really understand what's going on. Yep. You wearing a mask and him wearing a mask. How much delay have we done and damaged our kids because of some of these mandates that don't make sense and instead of going forward and learning we keep on going backwards mm. keep on going backwards and i think i just read yesterday that new zealand you know how they had a complete lockdown their prime minister just realized that they didn't work so she's gonna <laughs> but they're not gonna have a lockdown well i could have told that after a month it's not gonna work mm. but, but you, you know, touched on it just said this is the problem you've got politicians making decisions based on like health issues you know when they're like they say that they're taking advice from like these groups for example but where we've got um the scientific group here in the uk for example a sage group made up of about 20 individuals and um, you've got one that's from a communist party would literally love to see people walk around in masks for the rest of their life and she's literally she pretty much said that on tv you know i'm surprised i'm surprised if she doesn't get a bed with a mask on um you know or showers in it you then got um I think it's about 14 or 15 of these members are all heavily invested in the pharmaceutical companies. Um, and these people are advising the government and telling the government what to do, or the government is saying that's what they're, they're, you know, they're leaning in on. But, you know, like all of this has become very apparent to the majority of, of people. And I know the people watching, watch my show um, have since, you know, listening to what each guest has said, have then gone on to do, a lot more research and found out a lot of this themselves anyway, which is, you know, is, is the whole point of doing this kind of uh, show anyway, is to help people, you know, learn, learn a lot and, uh, and move on from it. But um, the fact that these, you know, the politicians are making these decisions for millions of people to, when it comes to things like health is absolutely ludicrous. And we can all see worldwide now that this is nothing to do with health now at this stage. Um, we're past that, way past that. Now you talk about mandates and obviously masks and, and stuff like that. We 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 know, we can clearly see it's all to do with like the virtual signalling um, to keep people quiet. Um, but from a school board point of view, which you sit on, obviously I've seen some fantastic videos and, and amazing warrior parents standing up in front of like these crowds and school boards. Um, and even people that are in, you know, the medical and, and science industries um, speaking out about mask mandates and obviously the, the lack of science behind them and all the damage that they're doing. 
Like, what are you seeing on the, on these school boards, or as a member of the school board, sitting on the school board? Where, how does it, how does it work for you? Obviously, given the the science and, and the harm you know it does on kids. Like, um, are you are you actively dropping the mask mandates within these schools, or do you have the power to do that? So, uh, in Texas, our governor um, got rid of the school the mask mandate mm. last year. Yeah. And- it was uh, up to the school board to actually, um, we had a meeting and we discussed it uh, with our, you know, within the school board and we had some parents present and it was very transparent. You know, we talked about what is beneficial for kids, what's happening and things like that. And our school board decided to drop the uh, mask mandate at that time as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we continued um being proactive. So if the child was sick, we would tell, ask parents to keep them at home until they feel better, they've seen a physician and things like that. And we really didn't see cases go up. You know, uh, we were able to finish the school year, kids did really well and uh, everyone was happy because uh, it's very difficult, you know, when you have a five, six year old to have them wear a mask. And uh, I was talking to one of the teachers and she's like, if you only knew what happens to that mask throughout the day, falls on the floor, they put it back up, their nose is running, they wipe the nose. It's like the germs inside the mask just for one day for one child. It's like, it's just you know incredible. So, so we just learned that um, washing hands, keeping kids home, um, you know, making sure they're taking their vitamins, all that, it really works. And we end up having a really successful year and everyone was happy. Our kids play sports, um, they play band and uh, it was a good year. Mm. Now the schools that up north, lots of them kept their uh, mask on and that's where you saw a lot of parents come in front of the school board. And actually the saddest thing, it wasn't the parents, it was some kids. Some kids came and said, do you know what you're doing to me when I'm wearing this mask? And they actually made some great arguments. Mm. And Larry and I talked about the rate of depression uh, in our young kids. We had several, not in my community, but community next door actually commit suicide uh, wow. for whatever reason, you know? Uh, and I think we've just done such a disservice to our children. Mm. You know, I think it was okay to do it at the beginning. We didn't know, you learn, right? It's okay to make mistakes. And that's what I, you know, I think I would, I wish that some of these people said that, you know, we didn't. There's been know. no responsibility, is there? There's been yeah. no, like, yeah, sorry. I think it's okay to say I made a mistake. This is what I could do based on data I had, but now I know better. So we're not going to do that again. Let's go somewhere else. Instead, we keep on going back to yeah. things that you know don't make sense. You talk about people wearing a mask, like that lady wearing a mask in a shower, probably. You know what gets me when people wear a mask in a car and they're by themselves? Mm. Who are you wearing the mask for? You just reminded me, uh, doctor, I had Dr. Richard Fleming um, on the show, and we were talking about this, and he said, uh, you know, about the mask and how they don't actually work, and, you know, at all in this kind of setting for everyday people, like whatsoever, there's a lot more harm than good. But he said, and then you get the people who wear them in the car, he said, if, that's, if, if you're watching this and that's you, um, I can tell you that it's not doing any good. And if you're trying to do surgery while you're driving, then uh, that that's not good for you either. I can tell you now, it's not going to work. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that was brilliant, but he, um, and he absolutely hit the nail on the head. And uh, but I, I think from an individual level, that all very much comes down to the level of like psychological torment that, that those people have succumbed to through whatever media it is that they they take in on a daily basis. Uh, so here, I guarantee you, those people just watch the BBC. Uh, and especially the elderly, you know, you could still see them all around town outside wearing masks and you guarantee that they get up in the morning, BBC, lunchtime, watch the BBC news, see, sat in front of the TV at tea time, watch the BBC news and it's all kind of doom and gloom, their narrative. Um, and, you know, the only people really in their circle would be their immediate family and you don't know what their views or experiences are either. So, um you know, again, it's, just, it's it all comes down to that. Like, what kind of questions are you asking yourself? Uh, you know, like some people do feel more comfortable wearing a mask, and that's mm. okay. It's totally fine. You yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah. Mask, go ahead. But I think mandated everyone else wearing a mask is just a little too much because you know 
I think what we should ask people is to be responsible, personal responsibility. You're sick, mm. you stay home, go see a doctor and decide if you need to be treated for whatever. Mm. But if you're healthy and can contribute to society, go do your job, you know, go earn the money so you can pay for your family. Making us all be um, bound to the government, you know, get money from the government, things like that. That's when you, that's socialism and communism. That's how mm. they get you. You know, they're like, if you do this little thing for me, I'll give you this. If you do this little thing for me, I'll give you that. I think it's important for people to, um, you know, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, uh, American, uh, you know, the Declaration of Independence, for people like me who actually have come here to live the American dream, that means a lot. Mm to see this country go to something that I run away from hurts my heart. Yeah, I bet it does, yeah. yeah and I think, um, I think our politicians should realize that we are good people. We're going to do what's best for everyone else and for ourselves and our families, but we're not idiots. Mm. You know, we can see what's happening and, uh, you know, uh, we just need to... Um, you know, there's no normal anymore. We'll never go back to normal. People say, mm. let's go back to normal. There's no normal anymore. We're never no. going to. I think we just have to learn to uh, live with what we have and demand more of others. Mm. Uh, we elected them and we should be allowed to de-elect them or whatever the war should be. But with uh, the way elections are going in most countries, how many people are confident that our votes matter? I'm not confident in any of our mm. votes no. anywhere. And, you know, I was just in Europe about a month ago, and even in England, you guys live better life than we do. Uh, at least I wasn't watching TV, so maybe that's why. And then I was in Croatia, and Croatians really live a good life because they go sit outside with their families and friends and talk about things. Mm. So watching TV. And then I came home um, Monday. By Tuesday, I was a nervous wreck. I was like, I can't handle this. I can't sleep. Because like you said, it's media overload. And they're telling you things that are not true. Yeah. Because if you go outside your door, you're like, that's not true what they're saying. This didn't happen. Or like mm -hmm. you know, when I was in England, the reason I love going there, I wanted to see what you guys are doing. I was like, are England people like really as crazy as they make them sound? You know, English people like, are you guys all like, you guys are not, you're like us, you're outside. You know, I went to the Buckingham Palace and I went on that London Eye behind you and stuff like that. And people are normal, happy, living their life. Mm. That's what we want. We all just want to live a happy, normal life so we can have future for our children. And I think I'm hoping that our politicians, well, there's no hope there. But I was going to say like, uh, I wish they would realize that um, most people will do the right thing. They just need to let us live our life. To be honest, and I think it is the same for our government here as well and other governments around the world that are very much part of this uh, this agenda, I'm pretty sure that they all know that. They all know that the people are, are great, loving people. But um, I think when there's huge sums of financial incentive involved and, uh, you know, I think clearly a lot of these politicians are literally being grabbed by the coolies um, at the minute, um, there's not... They're just in a like a dark, dark place, and it's all about sort of like how long can it be dragged out? Um, you know, otherwise they wouldn't be trying to bring in the things they're bringing in. And you clearly see people like Dan Andrews of, uh, of Victoria has completely sold out to China, um, like absolutely. And um, I don't know if you saw his interview the other day. He said that as of the uh, the fifteenth of October, if you haven't had at least uh, like one dose of vaccination you won't be allowed to work. Um, and the reporter asked, well, what about the people that haven't had it or, or won't have it? And he said, it's simple, they won't work. <laughs> so, um, and that's what we're seeing in Australia. Um, and, I, you know, I keep saying to people of the UK, like, please pay attention to what's happening in Australia because it is horrendous. Um, I think Australia is a test run. If yes. I think yeah. Australia, since it's uh, kind of an island and, uh, you know, I believe they're not allowed to have guns or whatever. Uh, I think it's a test run to see how much they can push because mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've read reports that they have quarantine camps or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they've, they've already started building them um, just, in, in Australia, yeah. They're creating a two-tier society, vaccine and vaccine. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
Uh, what about people who really can't get a vaccine for whatever reason? They really have an anaphylactic reaction to it. And it's like... Well, all the people, like my wife, for example, who had uh, bad reactions to the first one, she had it back all the way back in January when didn't know nowhere near as much as what we know now um, and had bad reactions to it. Like, you know, there's tens of thousands of people like that throughout the UK that, you know, had a terrible reaction to the first one. Like, why would they want to rush out and and get a, a second one? Yeah, it's just like, I, I feel like we collectively have, collectively have lost our minds. Mm. And, uh, you know, my favorite uh, recent interview was by, it was an interview, it was actually a hearing in Senate, Rem Paul and our yeah. HHS secretary. And he said to him, you know, something like, so all of us who had uh, COVID and now have herd immunity, you call us flat earthers. Like what degree do you have, mm. Mr. Like which science degree do you have? Mm -hmm. And then he's like, well, we're looking at data and our positions from here and here and here. I'm like, yeah, they're not really looking at the data because- uh, It's just that though. And that's the problem. You get uh, all these politicians or when people are sat in front of the Senate and stuff like that, you see straight away, they just slope your shoulder it onto, uh, we get our information from our physicians and this is this like they just hide behind it uh, and you see you see exactly the same in in uh, articles and newspapers and stuff like that our oh, top top science expert warns against x y and z we're like well who is this who is this expert they never mention anybody of our names either it's always like top science expert we talk about dr mccullough you know he he's a renowned cardiologist who had published a lot of articles before this whole thing started mm just to kind of not put him on the, uh, to the side and say, well, he's a crazy guy just because he does something and he's seeing results with it. You know, who gives them, you know, there, there's some medical boards and stuff. They say, if you uh, provide misinformation, you can lose your license or something. And, and then the question is, what is the misinformation? Mm. Like, what have you become so indoctrinated? Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the only thing that I, need to remember is the Bible because I'm a Christian and mm -hmm. I believe in God, but like everything else, like which doctrine would you like me to know? And it's like, that's like Marxism. You look at Marx's book, that's those doctrine, you know, mm -hmm. that's something you have to memorize when you, when you are living in those type of countries. And it's just hard to believe we have given up so many freedoms and we keep on giving them up. And, um, you know, what is the end point? You know, when are we going to say, um, I want to leave this place a better place for my kids. Right now, it's not a great place for my kids. You know, mm. how much more freedom are we going to give up, and what are they going to learn? It's normal, you know. Yeah, I think pe people just need. Uh, it's unfortunately going to come down to the point when somebody in their family drops um, for them to actually wake up and actually see. Well, actually, someone's going on here. What is it? And because at the minute not a lot of these people's lives aren't actually being affected too much so here in the uk you know people are at work people are going out to the pubs and the cafes and stuff like that um i mean even though these experts like did all their little graphs and modeling on tv and said oh when the kids go back to school it's all going to shoot right up you know that was debunked very quickly because the case haven't gone up at all um but they're already trying to you know really try and bring this covid passport in you know for stadiums and nightclubs and like where there's large gatherings but as soon as people allow that it will then be pubs it'll be restaurants and it'll be shops supermarkets and anywhere else where there's more than 20 people and then after that it'll be school it'll be everything you know and this is what people really need to get a grip of like just because it's not affecting you and your life right now it and it, it will absolutely like you will give up everything like and will like it as the older 2030 um, agenda says. You know, my favorite thing is I was just in Rome and um, they had some kind of outdoor little food tasting and wine tasting. And it was, it had a little barricade, but it's all in the open and you have to have a green pass, which means your accent or whatever mm. to go to that little barricade. And right next to them, I'm like right here, you know, I walk without a green pass, without a mask on, they have to have a mask on. And there's nothing separating us. It's air. So they're protected in a little bubble with a green pass while normal people just walk by and do their own thing. And like uh -huh. you said, like right now it's happening in this little space, but also it's going to be this big space. And, and um, you know, 
in New York, they say you can go to certain restaurants if you don't have the vac vaccine and things like that. And, you know. There's no science you, behind it at all, none. No, I was like, just gonna say like, you, you know, when you go to the restaurant, you have to wear a mask while you walk into your chair. Then you and sit then down you and take it off. Like this little bubble is protected, right? You can take off yeah. your mask and eat. It's like, I don't know. We just but have the, to. And, but again, yeah and again people just uh, they just conform to it they just say yeah. well you know and you know i've got i'm not going to mention any names when they listen to the podcast but uh, i've got people in my family that just say like well you know we just we just got to do as we're, we're told and get on with it <laughs> you're like no you don't this is like your whole life your family's life you know kids lives uh, that are being completely dictated by non-scientific nonsense um and there's no other way of putting it like you're saying, there's just that this it's, everything about it's so hypocritical, isn't it? Uh, like hip, hypocritical science. Um, I feel like Australia is a test. Yeah. Uh, you know, they want to see how far they can push it. Mm. And that's just my opinion. I haven't, you know. It's, 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 like it's clear to see. It's, it's they push masks. We said, okay, we'll wear masks. Now mm. they say, do this. We're like, okay, we'll do that. So I think they like they keep on escalating to see. Well, what else can they? What else are they going to give up to? Mm live a normal life right because this is not normal mm -hmm. well i mean you only have to look at victoria you're saying about a test ground like, and we know masks masks have no effect whatsoever um people pull them in and out of their dirty pockets dirty hands in them they're just a petri dish for bacteria um and we know this because like here for example i, I speak to doctors nurses and a lot of people have reached out to me um and then most of the conversations i've had i've always said to them like what's the like rate of people that you're seeing coming through with bacterial lung infections and they're saying it's gone through the roof and it's people that wear a mask all day at work and um or whatever else they do and with the um and obviously along with that you know it's it's, it's just getting worse and worse and worse but like in australia they're telling people that you can't physically you know if you if you get caught pulling your mask down to eat and drink you'll be fined five hundred dollars i believe it is and it's just ludicrous and this is outside and you're seeing little kids and teenagers being wrestled to the ground by police because they're not like not wearing a mask i know there there was a, a photo done somewhere some officials there are five of them standing in front of five or six young kids it looked mm. like maybe seven eight year olds the little kids are wearing masks officials are all smiling without a mask. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, it's just really disgusting at this point. And it just mm. really breaks my heart to see that we'll come to this point where um, true science doesn't matter. It's mm. like, I call it like fake science because they just keep on making new stuff up and we keep on going with it and, you know, mm. and hoping that we'll go back to our normal life. Like I said, there's no normal life anymore. I think we just need to, demand more, mm. ask more of them. If they say something is true, if they want you to get boosters, 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 give me data, why? Explain it to me like I'm a two-year-old or whatever. And then I'll listen if I can understand what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. But just to like take everything as gospel, it's like, we're not idiots. No one is. And I think we can all make right decisions for our families and our neighbors. Just give us you know, just realize that we're normal people like you and you don't get to dictate how the rest of our lives are going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, on, on the subject of those boosters, you only have to look at Israel to see that, like, as of, um, might be this week or next week, if um, if you haven't registered for your booster, you're no longer vaccinated. So those are people who then felt they had to get double jab to have their green or their COVID pass. If you haven't, don't go and get your booster. You're no longer vaccinated, and I guarantee that will absolutely happen here as well. Um, so, I think people have got some very big decisions to make moving forward. Obviously, for the benefit of them and their own health. And if, you, if that's you, I thoroughly, thoroughly suggest actually researching what's actually in these things before going and getting a third jab. Because, you know, just have a look at what's happening in Israel. Cases and deaths are through the roof. Um, as more and more gets rolled out over there again it's almost like australia is a test island for 
the psychological side of things and israel is almost like the test country for just you know how much graphene oxide can be uh you know obviously injected into people um and you only have to look at the rates of deaths and, and cases in in israel um, in, in linear with the actual the rollout um it's just unbelievable um and if that doesn't make people ask questions i don't know what does and i think you touched on something you didn't call it call it this but informed consent you know, yes. if you're asking someone to do something, inform them what the risks and benefits are, and patient can decide. You know, some people are high risk and they prefer to get the vaccine. That's okay. Inform them what it, what is happening, and everyone can make their decision in the right way. Um, initially, you know, I don't know if you know this, like vaccines didn't have any kind of uh, the paper in the inside the box was blank. Now it has some things inside it. But to demand things and say it's for the best of everyone else because we're under a pandemic and we're all gonna die. But when you look at the actual mortality rates in some age groups is like the flu and we haven't really, some people die from the flu and some people have died from COVID too many. But it doesn't mean that like the whole planet has lost all the rights we've ever had and now we're going to have select group of people who don't really have degrees in science to make decisions for us based on whatever data. Mm. Um, it just doesn't make sense. And I, th I think like we, the people should just demand more, you know, yeah. just, you know, you want me to do something? Sure. I'll do it, but tell me why. Mm -hmm. And then I'll decide if that's the best course of action. Yeah. Was that way? Why can we do it now? You know, people talk about Nuremberg code, one of the things that came out of it is informed consent. Yes. Yeah. So tell me what you want me to do, but inform me why I'm doing something. And then also, you know, there is new medication on the market that's coming out. Um, I'll be happy to use it. Show me data is working great. I have no issues. Like if someone told me uh, that giving patients honey is what's going to cure them from COVID, I would give them honey. You know, it's like if someone says that is this antibiotic will work, I would try it because watching patients suffer, be afraid at home so that they can lose more rights because you want them to be at home controlled or whatever. It's not why I went into medicine. Mm. You know, I went into medicine to help people and, and uh, physicians like Dr. McCullough and others, uh, Dr. Zelenko and normal physicians all over the world, we just want to help people. Yeah, 100%. Medicine A is going to work, I'll give medicine A. But mm. give us Choice. Let me and my patient decide what's best for them and not mandating and, and, and falsifying data to say, oh, you're going to kill them. Well, hydroxychloroquine hasn't killed me yet, and I've been on it every single day. So. No, I, I totally get you. Um, and what we, we need more and more Dr. Kathleen Lees and Peter McCullough's all around the world. I know they're out there. Um, and I think we're very much coming to a point now. And I think definitely in the UK, because we're seeing the bad doctors um, starting to be served with, uh, you know, with, with notices of liabilities now. Um, a so-called Dr. Hillary, who's uh, on TV quite a lot, spouting off a load of lies, lies after lies after lies. Um, had a large contingent of people outside his house at the weekend um, and served him at uh, the weekend, which is uh, quite, quite, quite uh, pleasing on the eye, to be honest, and it's a, a sign of good things to come. Um, but we are going to get to a stage and it is moving in that direction quite quickly that if doctors, nurses, scientists, physicians have been complicit in crimes against humanity in any shape or form, they are going to get found out very soon because it's starting, really is starting to move in that direction. Um, I think we're only weeks away before it really starts hitting people and I would not want to be in the medical services and that and be around those type of people because no one's going to no, nobody's going to save you like again it's going to be another you know classic reminiscence of the Nuremberg trials um in the 1940s and uh, I know people like Rainer Formish and that are very much trying to bring these um bring these trials through international criminal courts to fruition right now I think, you know, I would say that most physician, nurses, uh, other healthcare workers, they're trying to do their job best they can within the confines that are in. Mm, yeah. 
you know, um, there are days when I worry about what's happening. And uh, if I say something, am I going to get censored? Am I going to get uh, written up by, you know, boards or because other physicians have. We're all trying to do the best thing for our patients. And I think um, we have approached this disease very in a wrong way. I think what we should have done from the beginning is what some physicians have done. They said, let's try this, let's see if it works. Mm. If it works, let's keep on going. If you learn something else, let's add that. Because this is, with this disease, we're all kind of like step back and said, oh, we don't know what to do, you know. Let's have them go to the hospital and then the whole mess started. We should have just kind of went right in and treated patients, taking care mm -hmm. of them. If we did that, this would have been gone within six months. We would still have it, but it would be controlled. It would be like any other virus that we have. Uh, instead, we have let this virus control the world and take away many of our rights. And um, unless people just start saying enough is enough, you know, if you want me to do something, tell me why, explain to me why I'll do it. Uh, we have to stop like listening to select group of people mandate how our lives are gonna go. And I think it just goes down back to mandates and I'm not saying it's talking about vaccines, masks or any kind of mandate. When you mandate someone to do something for the best of the world, it's like when have everyone's life taken away your individual right, you know? Um, we're all individuals and we're all going to do the right thing, but let us make the decision. Mm. You know, you want your kids to grow up in a safe world. You're going to do everything you can to make the world around them safe. Mm. So uh, we need to start asking politicians to see us as people, not numbers. Yeah. I think they see us as numbers right now and we don't matter. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. Um, and, and on that subject of responsibility, I think a lot of people need to take a bit more responsibility now and look towards potentially what can happen in the future and start asking yourself questions like, where do you see things in your own country potentially going? And if so, what can you learn now? What can you adopt now to, the, you know, to make sure that you and your family are in the, the best place possible, but in line, with your, in line with your actual community? Because again, it's all gonna come down to a community level, like, um, you know problems for everybody the same it's going to be the same whether no matter what your medical status is that's what is going to come to that point um this is where why everybody needs to stick together you know whether you're, you're vaccinated or not like we've gone way past that now and um people shouldn't be you know pointing fingers at anybody like we're, we're all amazing human beings being led down a treacherous path by tyrannical people that have obviously are all part of one big agenda which is you know control and finance um so you know the we need everybody and you know everyone worldwide to understand that and stick together um because they, they cannot crush the many you know the, the bigger the bigger we are like the harder it is you know to to control like by far they, they, they just won't be able to do it um and luckily we do have people in the science and medical world like yourselves who are really trying to make as many people aware of you know the, the other the other things that are out there that you, it, we should all be learning you know it's not just all about jabs it's all you know everything that comes with it and i think one good thing that, that came out of all this mess is i've seen lots of parents get more involved with their uh schools mm, brilliant they're running for school boards or for different positions in the community because you're right you know um for us like what happens in dc they live in their own bubble they make decisions that have nothing to do with actual little communities but where you can make a difference is your own community mm -hmm. if you don't like something you run for an office and you try to make changes from there um, mm -hmm. and i think it's important for parents and everyone to kind of take responsibility for our own children our own lives and um and just demand more from politicians and, and actually vote them out if we can. You know, I, I think you guys are having a UK Reform Party meeting this weekend or something. And it's kind of good to see these different ideas come through. Mm. You know, um, there needs to be more um, consequences for some decisions that people have made. And um, some of these leaders really, you know, I love watching them talk on TV and it's like, nothing that people feel like they mm -hmm. say one 
thing, but people are like, what? Like, what is he talking about? Like, I don't care about that. Mm. So I think the best way to do our job is to get involved in our community and it starts at home. Mm. Yeah, it, absolutely. And then you kind of spread it out to the neighborhood. And um, I think we can make it better, but we just need to demand more of everyone around us. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and on, on that note, I'd like to uh, give a, a massive shout out to the uh, all the veterans that have been doing fantastic things here in the UK uh, and in the US that I've been in communication with, um, like in their communities, uh, who have been to these rallies, who are really trying to get around, you know, the, the, the local people showing their support and just standing shoulder to shoulder with them. Um, we've had some vet veterans in the last couple of weeks that have done some really great things, which have had... Um, a really, really great impact, and it's something I'm very passionate about. Obviously, as a you know, a veteran of you know, 15 years in the in the British military, um, I know the importance of people like ex-military personnel um, having you know a positive stand within their communities, and that it really lifts people up. And moving forward, you know, we're we're actively you know raising that that, that number in quite a significant way, uh, not just here in the UK, but uh, in the states in Australia. Canada and places like that so I'm speaking to a lot of um, sort of uh, figures from the veteran communities in all these different countries and they're having like a really great impact uh, and and just continues to keep doing that guys because uh, I, know, I know a lot of uh, veterans worldwide watch this um, and feel free to obviously get in touch as well um, with any sort of like ideas and um, and, th and things that you want to sort of like you know make more more vocal you know because that, that's all we can do really is um Get that they get those words out there the good things are happening and you know people people will rise up to that it's uh, it's really important and i want to get involved you know so there's, there's some great things happening here um cat where can uh, people find you if they uh, they want to reach out so i have a website i kind of created and it's it's uh, my idea is if we just start thinking again uh and using our um, god given brains uh, I think we can do a lot more for each other. And the website is katlindleydeal.com. And my medical website is www.eaglemedicalcenter.com. Um, talking about veterans, I agree with you. I think veteran community is so important. And I'm going to put a plug in for one of the veterans I work with a lot. He was a uh, former Green Beret and he has a supplement. Um, company right so when this started and i realized there's some vitamins that help I, I texted him and i said you know what travis i'm taking this many pills and i'm so tired of it and i keep on forgetting them can you create a supplement that puts all of them together and he did so you know veteran community here in us has been um really important for us and uh, it's important for all of us to stand mm. with them brilliant uh, what's the uh, what's the name of the supplements it's alpha elite performance.com and I helped him create the immune response that we use there. But it's one of those things that, like I told you, there are so many things we can do at home, uh, keeping our immune system up not to get the illness. And if you do get the illness, like my children had it, they had no problem. They recovered within a few days because they're taking their vitamins and drinking their yogurt and things like that. Mm -hmm. so there's so much you can do at home before you get ill. Mm. Yeah. And um and you know, not just from a, a medicinal point of view and, and supplementation, ladies and gents. Keep on top of your exercise, hydrate, try sleep. not to drink, sleep. Yeah, sleep obviously is a, a huge thing. Try not to drink so much. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I don't. I'm saying that because it's a. I've, I've got a doctor right here that can uh, back up what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, you know, try and try and have a good portion of all those things, and you'll live a life of much better general health. It's as simple as that. You know, unfortunately, it's taking this fiasco to like really wake people up to like actually looking after our bodies, mm -hmm. um, and that's why you know America, UK, and Australia, are, like three of the most obese countries in the world, um, are seeing such severe problems and always have such a strain on our national health systems. Is because of like all these problems that are you know linked to uh, obesity and uh, and poor lifestyles. And that's something that our gov all our governments could say like obesity is a huge risk factor. So let's mm. all eat healthy. 
or vitamin D levels are very important. Let's take our vitamin D. There's certain things that we can all do and agree with. And, uh, you know, those are little steps, but they make a huge difference. Mm. Well, I like that the Canadian health minister said that vitamin D is bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as he was shaking all the uh, cash in his pocket. Um, awesome. Kat, thank you for joining us today uh, on the AJ Roberts show. You know, it's a real pleasure. Um, I know you've got like a lot on you doing some great things over there and uh, I will catch up with you over the next couple of weeks uh, moving forward. Um, guys and girls, if you haven't already done so, please make sure you subscribe to the AJ Roberts Show YouTube channel. Uh, also on Rumble. Okay, it's just AJ Roberts Show, one word. Um, and if you're on Facebook, obviously make sure you like the page as well. Um, that's always my only fee is that if you like and enjoy these episodes, you know, it's given you something new to, to learn. It's made you smile. It's made you laugh. Or if it made you cry. All right. Um, all I ask is you share it with at least one person today so we can help get the messages from experts like Kat Lindley and others that join us here on the show out to the wider world. Because as the aim has always been, want to help as many people as possible, okay, improve their current life and improve what their life is potentially going to be like in the future. Okay, that's the main aim in the most healthy way possible. All right. Um, have a re enjoy the rest of your day, ladies and gents. And please look forward to another fantastic episode of the AJ Roberts Show of the London Times later this week. Thanks again for joining us, Kat. Thank you. And take care, guys. And I'll see you again soon.